Today will be our last message on the the gospel series that I started about eight weeks ago. We've looked at two different messages in each one of the gospels. Uh, We find the message today in the book of John. I, I preached last week out of the book of John and we'll look again this morning for our final message during this gospel series. I know I've had to put off a lot of messages that I wanted to preach because it come we come across different things and and uh, next week I want to preach on uh, I was discussing in my office with someone but I want to preach on the the ten virgins uh, that it speaks of when uh, getting ready for Jesus's coming so we'll be looking at that next week uh, the the virgins that have the lamps of oil that's in Matthew if you want to uh, look at that for next week. That's what we'll be preaching on and the soon coming of Jesus Christ. Let's again, like I have in all the previous weeks, let's go back and let's review what our gospel series has been about. We know that the four authors of the gospels, we know that they were led by the Holy Spirit to write the things that they have written in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And as we look at the, the direction that they wrote these Uh, what they focused on is completely different from one another. And I believe that is exactly how the Spirit wanted this to be done. And and you can take each one of these books and you can see the focus and the direction that the author of this book uh, is writing. Now we all know that that the, the Bible as a whole has one author. And that's the Holy Spirit of God. And uh, He used these men to write His words. So when we look in the book of Matthew, we notice and we focus on that Jesus came and He came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We see that the whole book of Matthew's focus is that Jesus is the King. He was the King that was prophesied in the Old Testament that was to come, that the Messiah was here. And we recognize as this focus is brought forth, uh, that Matthew uses a whole lot of the Old Testament scriptures. Over a hundred of the Old Testament scriptures, he refers back to letting these people know that Jesus is the King. Well, when we get down to the end of the book of Matthew, we realize that the Jews have rejected Jesus as the King. Uh, if you remember, as he's going in uh, to Jerusalem that very last week, when he is coming into Jerusalem, there's They're crying out, Hosanna to the King, thou son of David. Uh, Hosanna to the King of the highest. And man, they think Jesus is fixing to walk in and overthrow the Roman government and set up his kingship right then. But about three or four days later, they realize something's wrong. He's been crucified. And uh, they didn't realize. The Jewish people rejected Jesus as their king. Understand, the, the promise that God made that Jesus will be king over this earth, is still yet to be fulfilled. And He will one day be king and king and Lord of lords over this earth, as the, the, the Scriptures tell us. So that was the whole focus that Matthew looked. When he saw Jesus' life, he reflected on His kingship. Mark focused on something completely different. Mark is a very condensed book. It doesn't, it doesn't do a whole lot or say a whole lot about Jesus' teaching, but what it does do, it, does a, it tells us a whole lot about what Jesus is actually doing. Man, it tells us how Jesus came and He sat down with people and, and how He talked to them, how He was a servant. He gives us an example in the, 
in, in the book of Mark how Jesus washes the feet of his disciples and then tells us to go out and do likewise. He sets an example. But not only does it tell us that he was a servant and he teaches us how to be servants, but it also tells us how he was the suffering servant. If you'll remember that second message that we preached, or we looked at, we saw that Jesus back in Isaiah 53, Jesus was the servant of God who came to suffer and die for the sins of the world. So not only was he a servant that set an example for us, but he was also a suffering servant. Now, we, the third book that we looked at, the book of Luke, looked at the humanity of Jesus how He was tempted like us, how He lived like us. Jesus had to go through the birthing process just like you and I were born into this world. Jesus submitted Himself as the Son of God to be born into this world. He, Jesus had to learn to walk just like you and I did. I, I don't know if Jesus sucked His thumb, but as a baby, I, I mean, Jesus was human just like you and I. He thirsted. He got hungry. He got tired, just like you and I also. And we found out in the book of Luke that the reason that Jesus became human uh, and walked as man is so that He could come to seek man. In other words, Jesus came on this earth. I know that uh, at around Christmas time, we tell a, uh, I tell an illustration about how a man at Christmas, his wife had gone off to a, uh, a Christmas Eve celebration at the church and while he was at home, there was a flock of birds and a big snowstorm had come and these flock of birds was flying and hitting the windows of the house. And they were hitting the windows and dying. And Oh man, it just upset him. He was out on the front porch and he was trying everything he could do to get those birds to, to shoo away and not die because he had the light on in the house and they were lost in this storm. And so he goes out to the barn and he opens the big barn doors and he turns on the light and he gets out there and he tries to shoo the birds into the barn. And he can't get the birds to go in the barn. They're still flying against the window and dying. So he goes out and he gets a bag of corn and he tries to throw corn into the snow and maybe he could lead the birds into the barn. And birds still dying as they hit the windows of the porch in the house and He'd sit there for a moment and then he said, Man, if I could just be a bird for just a few minutes and I could tell these birds that there, there's rescue, there's safety in the barn. Why, if they would just listen to me, I could rescue and I could save them. And while that man was beginning to think this thought, he realized that is exactly what Jesus done for you and I. Jesus said, you read all through the Old Testament, 4,000 years tried to get man to follow, to be obedient, to have a relationship with God. And for 4,000 years, he just struggled and struggled and struggled. And finally, Jesus said, here, I will come to earth. And if they will see my humanity, I will die for them. I will lead them. I will seek after my people. And that is exactly what Jesus done. We look in the book of Luke, and that's exactly what we see, that Jesus came to this earth he became human to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, last week, we began in the book of John. I preached a message in the book of John. The title of it is the same as this morning, Jesus, the Son of God. 
Jesus, the Son of God. And these are some of the things that we looked at. The key verse in John chapter is, is found in John chapter 20 for the whole book of John. I hope that you found that in your, in your Bibles. John chapter 20 and verse number 30. And this is what the whole book of John is about. I want you to know the whole book of John is to prove to me and you is that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you know some people just can't wrap their mind around that God would send His Son to be on this earth? Some people just can't wrap their mind around that. They just, they just can't comprehend that. Well, you know, the whole reason that John, his focus on Jesus' life is so that everyone that is sitting in this room could understand that, yes, a God that created the heavens and the earth would actually send His Son because He loves you. That's it. God loves you so much that He would send His Son. So notice what He says in John chapter 20 and verse number 30. It says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. I want you to know there is no other name under heaven. There is no other way in the world to be saved except through Jesus. I was coming back. We were driving back from that, uh, that funeral service the other day. And as we were driving along, you know, a lot of people think that that's pretty close-minded to say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Uh, well, you know... That's not coming from me. Jesus tells us in, in John chapter 14, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And I was sitting here and I was thinking as we were driving home, do you know there's other religions that out there that believe that you are reincarnated into a new life into this world? In other words, when you die from this world, instead of going to heaven or, or taking responsibility for the decisions you make, you are recreated or you come back as another being. If you've lived a pretty good life here, you might come back as a cow. But if you've lived a pretty poor life, you might come back as a cockroach. And so, so you live this life. And I was driving down the road and I, I was just so, I felt so bad. Some people actually believe they look out there in that cow pasture. Well, there's grandpa. There's mama. That must be my long lost brother right over there. And, and I was sitting there thinking, do you realize that some people actually believe that? But see, some of you may even believe that it is mighty far-fetched to believe that, that God would send His Son also. But the Bible tells us, and we see it here to be true, that Jesus came and they died on the cross so that you and me might have a relationship with Him. And listen, I am here to tell you, if you choose to not believe this, God will hold you accountable for what you choose to not believe. And that day will come and we'll see that in just a few minutes. But today as we look at, at this, we, last week we looked at what he says right here that he showed many other signs that Jesus uh, did in the presence of disciples. And they wrote them in this book. One of the things we looked at last week is that as Jesus performed miracles on this earth, uh, one of the things that, that God done so that we would understand, 
I want you to know God verbally proclaimed, This is my Son, whom I am well pleased. When Jesus was baptized, the Bible says that as He was being baptized, a voice from heaven, heavens opened up and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Right there in front of everybody. I mean, that would be enough for me. And then the Bible also tells us on the Mount of Transfiguration, as Peter, James, and John was up there with Jesus, and Jesus is speaking with Moses and Elijah right there on that same mountain, said the, the clouds opened up and God spoke and said, This is my Son, listen to Him. God proclaimed from heaven that this was the very Son of God. So I, I want us to realize here, let's, let's look at some of the things that we recognize that Jesus does while He is on this earth that proves that Jesus is the Son of God. So I wrote down a couple of scriptures here that, that will help us understand that Jesus is the Son of God simply by the power that He exists or the, by the power that He shows. In John chapter 2 and verse 7, this is one of the first miracles, and I'm not going to read the whole scripture here, but this is the first miracle that Jesus performed while he was on this earth. And this is what he done. It says in verse number 7, it says, Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bore it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water, that was made wine. And when men had well drunk, uh, and when men had well drunk, then that which is worse, but I lost my place. I, I skipped a whole verse. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that had been made wine, he knew not whence it came, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and he told him, he said, most of the people, he said, most people wait and serve the, uh, the bad wine last, but he said, you've saved the best for last. Let me start with what Jesus has done. These water pots were pots, uh, water pots that, that held about 30 gallons apiece. He took six of these water pots. He told these guys to fill them with water because they were at a wedding feast, a celebration. They had ran out of wine. And Jesus said, fill them with water. And he says, now, he didn't do anything fantastic. He didn't jump up and down. He didn't wave his hands. He, he didn't shout. He said, now just go take that water and, and present it to the governor. That's when the governor tasted the best wine that he had ever drank in his life. Because Jesus had turned the water into wine. Now you think about that for just a second. Well, that may not sound like too much of a, a jump. Uh, because, I, I mean, but for, to, to turn water into wine, to make wine is an aging process. I want you to know Jesus did all of that in just a matter of seconds. He made the best wine that anyone had ever tasted. And he made it just like that. Uh, that's not that much of a deal. Well, here, let's, let's look at John chapter 6 and verse 9. We're talking about the power that Jesus had while He was on this earth. Listen, I want you to know, not many people knew about that miracle that took place. Not many people. The servants knew. His mom knew. The disciples witnessed it. I want you to know, they did not go around announcing at that time that, wow, he just turned water into wine. I mean, he was kind of incognito right there. He, wouldn't, he didn't make a big spectacle of this. But now here's another event. I want you to know Jesus had a concern for these people. They had come. They, they were teaching. 
it was getting late, and Jesus said, hey, let's feed all these people. They don't have time to go and find food. Let's feed them all. Jesus knew what he was about to do. And when we look in verse number number 9 of chapter 6 of John, there is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus told him to go ahead and sit down, and when he did, he, he gave thanks and he began to break the loaves. And he just kept breaking, and he kept breaking, and he kept breaking. And he kept breaking. He'd done the same with the fish. And he kept breaking. He kept breaking. He kept breaking. I want you to know these people recognized that there was not a Denny's sitting there on the corner that they were getting all this food from. They didn't know where all this food was coming from. But when it was all over, 5,000 men and their wives and children had been fed. And there were still 12 baskets of food left over. I don't know anybody. I don't even know any grannies that can stretch it that far. And I mean, those grannies, they, boy, they can make a pot of gravy and make a meal stretch a mighty long way. That and a bag of peas or something. But, but listen, this was a miracle that showed the power of Jesus. I want you to know, unless you're the Son of God, you can't do this. I don't know anybody else that can do this. But this power that's being exuded here, it proves something. And I'm telling you, it's proven to us that Jesus was the Son of God. There was another one. Now, I want you to know this. Those two right there, they have not really yet stood out to me as being great, great miracles. Now, and I'm just talking for myself. Don't think I've been seeing a bunch of miracles. I haven't, but, but I, I'm, if you're looking for something spectacular, let me tell you, Jesus is about to do something spectacular. It's not like uh, one of the disciples... When Jesus came and approached him and he told him, he said, Nathaniel, he said, I saw you when you were sitting under the fig tree. And Nathaniel's eyes opened wide. He says, you must be the son of God that you saw me sitting under the fig tree. He says, Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than these. He says, you're going to be seeing angels descend and ascend as they serve and they help me go through this walk. But he says, you're going to see greater things than this. This is one that just stands out to me right here. When we look at this third one in Mark chapter 4 and verse 37, what we're going to see there is Jesus is in a boat. Jesus is with His disciples. Before they get in the boat, He said, let us go to the other side. That should have given them enough evidence that, listen, we're going to make it to the other side. But I want you to know that their faith wasn't that strong yet. But He says, let's get into the boat and go to the other side. And verse number 37, it says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves, and they beat into the ship so that it was now full. What was full? The boat was full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep, speaking about Jesus, on a pillow. And they woke him and said unto him, Master, carest not that, that we perish? And he rose, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the seas, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now listen. Only God can do that. Only God can make the wind stop blowing. Only God can walk out on the sea. Only God can say, water be still. And I mean, I, you know how a ripple begins to grow on the water. I can, it, just, it went just the opposite way. When Jesus said, peace be still, whoosh, it just panned out. Only The Son of God can do that. Only God can make the water stand still. Here's another one. John chapter 11. 
Why in the world? I, I don't understand this. How in the world did the Jews not, not believe that Jesus was the Christ? They come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. If you'll come, you can keep him from dying. And then Jesus stayed where he was at for two more days, and then he headed back, which was another two-day trip, and they get back over there. Lazarus has been dead for four days. I want you to know there's only one person in this world that can raise people from the dead, and that's Jesus. There's only one person in the world that can raise people from the dead, and that's the Son of God. So we see in John chapter 11 and verse 43, And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto him, Loose him and let him go. When we begin to look at all the scriptures and the things that Jesus done while he was on this earth, and we see in John, you see in John all of these miracles that are taking place because John wanted you and me to know that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is able to forgive sin, that He is able to save you, that He loves you. This, this is so important for us to see. That's why John wrote, and the focus that he wrote is to prove to us that we have the ability, we can put our faith in one that, we, that is faithful. Jesus is the one that we can put our faith in for salvation. But we see He raised Him from the dead. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 36, there was another event where we see, and it just simply says, And they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word is this! With the authority and power He commanded the unclean spirits, and they came out. Listen, He cast out demons. Well, you could probably have faked that. Well, you know, some people, that's what some people say. But, but then let's, let's do this. And I don't have these scriptures even wrote down. What about when Jesus healed the blind man that had been blind from birth? Jesus had to restore the cells of that man's body. That's what happened. What about the leper? What about the lepers that he healed of leprosy, an incurable disease? What about the paralyzed that didn't have the ability to walk? Their nerve system was gone. They didn't have the ability to walk or stand. And Jesus restored all that. Listen, there's not a reason in the world anyone in this room should not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. There's not a reason in the world. Well, I guess there is. You can believe that the Bible's a bunch of falsehoods, that it's just a bunch of stories, that it's a bunch of fairy tales. Listen, this is the only book in the world that has proved itself over and over and over and over. Do you know the only reason that some of the prophecies in this book have not been fulfilled is because it is not yet time. But all of the prophecies that was proclaimed in this book of the things that were going to happen have already happened. And I want you to know there's one more. The next event in God's time scale is when He comes to the sky and He calls His church home for those who are ready. That's what we'll talk about next week. For those who are ready. Hmm. I was telling Susie on the way home, this funeral that we went to really caught me off guard because he was 63, I think. She was 62. They were just driving down the road one minute. 
somebody crossed the highway median and hit them head on, and the next minute they were gone. They were in heaven, just like that. And I realized at the funeral service, he had a he had a, a, a colonel that he worked for when he was in the army, and he began to tell in, of some of the things that Amy's dad had accomplished while he was in the army. Some of the things he couldn't even speak about because they were top secret. And he was talking about how important Ben was. How important Mr. Akers was to the army and some of the great accomplishments that he made. But you know what I realized? Just like that, he'll be replaced. He was an important man, made some important decisions. But you know what? When you die, it's, that's done. And as I was coming home, I realized, I said, Honey, we're driving down the road. Speed limit's 75. Most men bump that up about four. So, you know, they don't get a ticket. I'm driving about 78, 79 all the way home. And do you know six feet coming toward me is another man probably driving 78, 79 miles an hour. And if he bends down or drops something or something, a fly or something, or maybe a wasp is in the cab of his trucks and he swats like that and veers over into my lane, hey, you know what? I'd be called home immediately. And I realized right then, listen, if you want to accomplish something, you need, you need to accomplish it today. We need to accomplish it right now. Listen, if you put off, if you put off all this time believing that Jesus is the Son of God, let me tell you that today may be the day you need to make that decision. Because when we realize, when we look and we look at the scriptures and we see all the things that Jesus has done, I want you to know it is his power that he was able to do all of these things. And that is not where he stopped. This is the point I want to make this morning. In John chapter 10 and verse 18. I've got three scriptures here that I really want to bring home to you right now. These three scriptures in John chapter 10 and verse 18, Jesus says this, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. And he is talking about his life. Jesus says, No man takes it from me, I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have I received from my Father... We need to understand the most powerful thing that ever took place on this earth is when Jesus died and was laid in that tomb and He rose again. God gave Him the power to overcome death. God gave Him the power. He is the Son of God because He exhibited the power of God in rising from the grid, dead. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 4 says this, For though he was crucified, this is talking about Jesus again, though Jesus was crucified through weakness, yet he lived by the power of God, for we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. I want you to know today because Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the grave, I want you to know he in turn gives you and I that same power. Once when Jesus was talking to the disciples, He said, listen, freely you have received, freely give. I send you out into the world. He says, heal the sick. Make the lame to walk. 
raise the dead. He says, I'm giving you the power that I have to do these things. And I want you to know the disciples went out and they were doing them and they come back and they said, wow, even the demons submit to your name. This is what Jesus said. He said, don't be surprised about that. Don't be excited because the demons listen to you. He says, be excited because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, be excited that you're born again. Be excited that when this life is over, you're going to spend an eternity in heaven because of the power that Jesus saves us through what He's done on the cross and raising from the dead. Romans chapter 1 and verse 4 says this, And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead. Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the proof of that is in His resurrection. The proof of that is in the resurrection. Jesus went to Nicodemus at night one night. He was one of those religious leaders that was there in the day of Jerusalem. And Nicodemus came to him and he said, We know that you are of God because no man can do the things that you've done. You know, that should be a simple thing for us to understand today. We believe that you're the Son of God because no man can do the things that Jesus has done. No man. We have that same power in Jesus today. The Bible tells us that when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He tells us if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved, we shall be made clean. The Bible also tells us that when we become saved, He says, I want you to know, He says, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are not your own, but you've been bought with a price. In other words, when we get saved, God gives us the power of Jesus Christ. He puts it in us and it lives inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that's why we can live a life that's acceptable unto Christ today. We can do that by depending upon the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us. It tells us, I, I didn't look up the scriptural reference, greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. And that, that greatest, that part that's in us is the power of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I, I hope that you've enjoyed this gospel series as we've looked at all the different focuses that these men have put on Jesus and the life of Jesus. But it boils down to a decision. It just simply boils down to a decision. What will you do with Jesus? I, I, I mean, we, we can try to explain it away. We, we can try to, uh, to put it off. But I'm telling you, when you continue to hear what Jesus has done for you, it boils down to one thing. You either accept Him or you reject Him. That's what it boils down to. And I pray as we read and look at the Bible and and the things that God has given us is at the end of this series of lessons that we will understand that Jesus came for you. That's why He came. Go home, look in the mirror. And you can look in the mirror and say, Jesus came for you. That's why He came. Let's stand together. Fathers, we...
stand before you at this time, I just want to thank you, first of all, for the two men that came this morning and professed you publicly by following you in baptism. God, I also want to thank you for your word that we're able to open it up and read it and uh, read the evidence of the life that you lived. God, I, I pray that as we've continued to look at this evidence that we've come to the conclusion that you are the Son of God, that you loved us, that you gave your life for us, and the only way that we can have life from this point on is to believe and put our faith and trust in you. I, I, I pray that that's a conclusion that everyone has in this service today. So I just want to thank you for all you do. You give us that free will choice to accept or reject it. So as we offer this time of invitation, we just ask that you would uh, be pleased with every decision that's made in this room. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing this hymn.